The problem is that people grab it, it's cheap or free, they put it in, they have no earthly idea how to monitor it, manage it, set it up properly, and now you've got another vulnerability because you've increased the complexity of your IT environment beyond what somebody can manage. Yep. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, where HIPAA and humor collide to make learning fun. Your delightful hosts are Donna Grindle and David Sims. Relax. HIPAA help is on the way. Welcome to episode 309 of the Help Me With HIPAA podcast. My name is David Sims of HIPAA for MSPs and Security First IT. Joining me is Donna Grendel of just plain old Carden. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like that. Uh, you can just get it done in one word. Yep. It, it's enough. It's enough. <laughs> that's how people feel when they deal with you. That That's just, it's enough. Just dealing yeah. with her is enough. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So today is one of those days where, you know, you're looking at all the news flying in from everywhere and you're like, oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. is it is it really that bad? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Like, is it yeah. really that bad? When we <laughs> see the news and we're like, is it really that bad? <laughs> I felt like we should share that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should, because I think you and I are, you know, we already live in the world where we feel it's bad. Yeah. And it's funny because other people, you know, I now understand why people say ignorance is bliss because they're walking around going, ransomware is not that big of a deal. And I'm like, are you serious? Cybersecurity is not a big deal. I know. Yeah. You know, you, you drank the Kool-Aid. Don and David have fooled you. Who was it? Somebody was told that. <laughs> it was yeah, we know. Yeah. yeah, one of your clients. Yeah, it w yeah, it was somebody that that works uh, with one of my clients. They're like, yeah, they, they brainwashed you. I'm like, wow, I've never brainwashed somebody with HIPAA stuff. That's pretty amazing. Uh -huh. <laughs> Maybe we should get those little the little swinging clocks, you know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hypnotize. Them. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Uh, so thanks for listening today. Make sure you share this episode out and leave us a review. And uh, for those of you who have not yet signed up with the HIPAA Boot Camp, we've got, I think, one seat left, maybe. I, I don't even know that. I, I may have to turn it off by the time this thing comes out. All right. So uh, if nothing Wait else, yeah, if nothing else, get on the waiting list because uh, the next one is likely to fill up as fast. But uh, being two months out and already full, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. wow. So, but that's why we think some people, you know, you never know what happens. So if you're on the wait list, we can let you know if somebody backs out. But it's, my team is like bug-eyed right now. Like, are we letting another one in? <laughs> yeah. And I'm still waiting on somebody to send me an email and offer to pay double and so I can push somebody out. <laughs> 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 you are so that guy. I know. Uh, so anyway, thanks again. If you if you want to check it out, uh, go to thehippabootcamp.com. There's all the information there. And uh, get on the waiting list, if nothing else, because even the waiting list may fill up quickly. So <laughs> go over there and, and get on that. Uh, thanks again to our donors. Uh, we appreciate it. If you do want to support the show, you can go to helpmewithhippa.com and see how you can support the show. Help keep the lights on. 
<laughs> With that said, let's dive right into the HIPAA Say what? segment because we have a lot to cover. Oh, a lot geez. to cover. Well, that's and, like uh, I said, I, I was overstimulated by all of the things that we could discuss today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when that happens, it's never a good sign. You know, anybody will tell you, you don't need me with too many things in my head. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the first one comes up and, um, you know, we, we're starting to see some movement from from Congress and the government about uh, cybersecurity. You know, we did we, just talk about the executive order. Mm-hmm. Cybersecurity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Which and brought up this letter. Yeah, and so now we're starting to see something else about <laughs> it. And so let's see, let's see what they have to say, Donna. What what do they have to say? You know, first of all, I'm going to say I'm not good at remembering the name, but I do know to call it HC3. Part of the fact that most people don't know HC3 exists explains why they needed to write the letter. <laughs> <laughs> But it is the Healthcare and Public Health Sector Coordinating Council. So HCCC, HC3. They sent a letter to the White House and copied the Senate and House leaders because they are concerned about cybersecurity and healthcare. Since it's kind of like a big part of their job mm-hmm. to treat you know the the critical infrastructure sector known as healthcare so uh, they they were like we need to talk about this <laughs> there's some stuff happening up in here mm-hmm. and really in in a big overarching way what they're saying is we see that you know there are cybersecurity issues we see that you know with the executive order and then there were cybersecurity things that were allocated specifically in the American Rescue Plan had $650 million to the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security, CISA, right, for cybersecurity risk mitigation programs. However, nothing was dedicated specifically to healthcare. Right. And they're like, we get it, we know, but we feel like we need some special help up in here. Mm -hmm. And pointing out, you know, that the healthcare system, you know, you're talking about patient safety. Right. It's not so much national security, while it could be. I mean, I think COVID's shown us that. Mm -hmm. But patient safety is the big deal. And so that's what their letter is talking about, that we need something specifically allocated for helping the cybersecurity working group in under HSCC. But, you know, we're, we're buried under all that stuff, too, in 405D. And they talk about, look, we've done these things. We're trying. But we don't have any funding. And we can tell you firsthand... <laughs> As we were just talking about, 
that there is no funding behind it. I mean, we're on a, a huge uh, working group, and everybody's a volunteer with a handful of HHS employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where can we get funding to develop, you know, this or that or have this available? And they're all like, we're trying. So what do you think they're going to get out of this? Um, hopefully some money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's not like they're not saying you're not devoting to cybersecurity. They're saying you're not devoting cybersecurity funding to health care. Mm-hmm. And um, it, they make a point of saying in the administration's infrastructure plan, which includes cybersecurity, there's a quote that they use that is resilience in the most essential services, including the electric grid, food systems, urban infrastructure, and then they added the emphasis in all bold community health and hospitals, and then it includes roads and transportation and all that stuff. So they're like, you need to hook us up. And we are trying very hard to do with what we have Mm -hmm. so far to build these things in the HCIC, Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Task Force, and all these other things are out there, but we need to back them up. And I love this point here where they said, right, we believe an analogous effort for the healthcare sector would strengthen collaboration and resolve across the sector, especially following a year in which our sector and the country fought the pandemic and multiple cybersecurity threats simultaneously. The Colonial Pipeline ransomware, the power outages resulting from winter storms experienced in Texas, and the impact long-term lack of electricity had on hospitals, COVID-19 treatment, and COVID-19 vaccination are stark reminders of how interconnected the health sector is with the other critical sectors. So, uh, you know, if you make everybody else better and you leave us out, things are not going to go well. Yeah. There's another point in this article that I like, too, where it it says uh, cybersecurity threats in healthcare pose real threats to patient safety, which we know, right? We've been saying for years, HIPAA is not about compliance. It is about patient care. It's also about patient safety. Yeah. Again, and it goes on to read, you know, healthcare providers, even those who are larger with more evolved cybersecurity programs, they still need help as well. Yeah. We often think, you know, these big hospital systems have tons of money, and they're doing fine. They have a great program. They shouldn't have issues. Yet they do. They do have we issues. We just talked about scripts. <laughs> they do have issues. And, uh, you know, sometimes the smaller guys come up and say, for example, if scripts has an issue, how am I as a small provider supposed to protect myself? But, you know, yeah. we always talk, talk about how it's so much easier for a small provider. You have much less risk, much less points of entry, you have a smaller network to uh, to manage and maintain. So your your size is definitely directly correlated with how simple or complex it is to run a cybersecurity program. Well, and making it more complex by people that don't understand things only makes it worse. So let's Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And we've seen that for years where you'll have a small provider and somebody comes in and they're putting in all these super complex systems and multiple servers and Yes, the 
point at which you start going toward complexity, you're losing in the cybersecurity space because you you have a harder time to protect things because it's just too complicated. And then when something goes wrong, where did it go wrong? Yeah, I don't, don't even know. And, anyway. and another thing we we see, and I don't know that I see it as much anymore, but I used to see MSPs that would grab a hold of a lot of these uh, open source type cybersecurity platforms, uh-huh. and they would implement those because they're free, but they don't know how to manage them. They don't even exactly. know how to set them up properly. They certainly don't know how to secure them. And so you've got all this, all this open source free stuff out there. And I, and I see this happening sometimes within smaller business where somebody's like, hey, you can do this using this free thing. And they put it in. And I've seen some, some fairly large companies that are, that are doing that. They're like, hey, you can, if you need a network attached storage, you don't need to buy one. You can use this open source platform to do that. Or you can use this open source uh, SIM device and this open source scan. And it's not that open source is bad at all. Open source is fantastic. The problem is that people grab it. It's cheap or free. They put it in. They have no earthly idea how to monitor it, manage it, set it up properly. And now you've got another vulnerability because you've increased the complexity of your IT environment beyond what somebody can manage. Yep. Yeah, what he said. (laughs) (laughs) So you're referencing this article that's in Healthcare Info Security, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, one of our many places that uh, we – scoop up news from and in that article one of the folks uh, the executive director of HSCC you know anyway one of the people in charge of this stuff <laughs> they said that uh, a strong understanding or, or intense interest in the dire Cyber challenges facing the healthcare sector is apparently lacking in some court corners of Congress. He points out that they were doing a confirmation hearing of the HHS Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response, which is ASPR, mm-hmm. ASPR, which is where we fall right now under the cybersecurity stuff. So they're like, okay, this this is the person that's going to be in charge of the office responsible for engaging with the sector on critical infrastructure preparedness and emergency response. So one would think cybersecurity would come up. Not one question about cybersecurity was his point, is that people don't get it still how important it is. So that I, you know, that makes me feel worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, that they're still not getting it is tough because I guess we need to make sure they listen to help me with HIPAA more. <laughs> well, I think part of it is that even the problem has become complex. You know, sometimes there are simple problems with complex solutions, <laughs> but this is becoming a complex problem. And it's almost so bad that if you understand it today, you probably won't understand it tomorrow because it's just changing that rapidly. And well, like the analogy you told me you heard this week. Yeah, about yeah. What so, cybersecurity is like. Yeah, I'll share this. I don't recall where I heard it from, unfortunately, but I'll share it. I didn't come up with it. That's all, I can, that's all the credit I can give is what it means. <laughs> but the person said being in cybersecurity is like being in a firefight 
with someone, but yet you're stopping to pull the bullet out of the wall to analyze it, to understand what they're shooting at you with so that you can understand how to protect yourself while still in the firefight. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, that that gives you that visual that like, you know, if somebody's shooting at you, you're not really concerned about what they're shooting at you. You're just trying to protect yourself. (laughs) Yeah. But it's completely darkness, and you're with your little pin light <laughs> looking for yeah. the bullet in the wall to figure it out. Or as I like to say, we're about to go pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and the bad guy was going, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh. it, it's, but it's getting that way. And, and here's how I know that it's moving faster than people can, than normal, let me do an air quotes, normal people. Cause I don't think we're normal and <laughs> can keep up with in so many ways. But just this week I had a vendor that sent out this video and they're like, this is a great video you can share with people that talks about how ransomware works. They just created this video and it's already not accurate. It, they're talking about how ransomware works and they're like, yeah, they don't steal your data. And I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Yeah, like airware today. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I don't know how long the video, how long ago it was made, but it had to be made within the past year just because of some of the things they were mentioning on it. So I'm like, you know, it's already out of date. As soon as you publish it, it's out of date. It's not accurate anymore. Mm -mm. Well, and, you know, we first started talking about at the end of, is it the end of 2018 or 2019? Maybe it's 20. It's a blur. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it was like the end of 2019 that we started talking about all bets are off Mm -hmm. because they're stealing data now. Right. And once we saw that start happening, it was a whole new world. You know, Mm -hmm. they're they're actually actively getting into the network. And if they get in, they're not just dropping stuff off and leaving. Right. But another piece in this article – just so that you get to read the quote, David, <laughs> uh, is is from Chime, which is, I don't know, it's another one, Health Information Management Executives, something, committee. I, I, they do more of that stuff. And it's a separate industry organization. But they did point out that the members are satisfied with a bill that was signed in law to law in January, which is the recognized security practices that we're all excited about. There you go. There's your quote that you get to use the fun word in, David. Absolutely. So the quote is, while we are awaiting HHS to promulgate rules, <laughs> we are very pleased that it calls on HHS to give healthcare providers credit for following recognized security practices to fend off cyber attacks. But then that's the point. We're we're back to that waiting thing about how it's going to happen. And we're mm-hmm. trying to teach people that it's even an option because there's really nothing there. But their point was, that's great, but they want incentives. And this suggestion about lesser resourced providers, and this is a, a problem that I'm well versed in uh, being an issue and having to deal with are these legacy devices, the MRIs and the testing, it's the medical devices. Yeah, but let's, here's my question. When you look at the effectiveness of HIPAA and cybersecurity, 
we've tried the stick approach, right? And that doesn't seem to be working. So now they're going, okay, let's try the carrot approach. However, I reflect back to meaningful use carrot approach. <laughs> and I, I just recall how many people got money, uh, quote unquote, incentives to yeah. do meaningful use, and they still didn't do that properly. And they didn't follow mean, the meaningful use guidelines, which would have put them on track to do a HIPAA program. You know, the very first step in the meaningful use is the same first step in doing your HIPAA program. And so many people said they did it and they didn't do it and they got money. So even with the incentives, I just wonder, can you even put incentives out where people aren't going to circumvent those to try to, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We're in that place where, you know, people, well, there, there's three groups, people who understand it and want that help to fix the problem. We have old equipment, no longer supported. We know it's not secure. We have to go way out of our way. And we're talking twenty, thirty thousand dollars for just one little piece. Mm-hmm. You know, some are two, three million dollars. These are not like desktop computers. They may right. have an old desktop computer managing them, which only makes it worse. Yeah. I, I had a doctor mm-hmm. that had a had an infrared uh, scanner that he had to use for, for certain things. And it would only run on a very specific model of a very specific Dell laptop. <laughs> wow. Or, or he had to spend, I think it was $40,000 to replace the laptop. Yeah. So, so it was crazy. Yeah. So now you get it to be able to put those things in your day-to-day budget. And especially where we've been in the last year and a half. And, uh, it, the world, but it's definitely the, you, you've got those people that, that, that we know the problem exists. So the ones that really need the help, we want to help them. And then you got the ones that say, well, I'll just take the money and spend it on something else. Mm-hmm. Or you gave me the money so that I would buy one of these. I bought it. Now I'm not going to pay to make sure it's secured, you know, and then you got the ones that aren't going to do anything anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you've got a chance with the ones who aren't going to do anything to convert them over. Right. Because they're peers. But the ones in the middle, we can't focus on them to prevent those few, we hope, because unlike meaningful use, where it was kind of like, well, you buy this software and we'll give you money back on it, people didn't actually pay attention to anything beyond that. And then when they did put that out there, there were people because the original one was it didn't have all the stuff in it. So because if we go back to 2009, when all that started, Mm -hmm. cybersecurity was a whole different world then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at a whole different people understand terms like ransomware. Back then you had an antivirus, you're good to go. Yeah. You know, that, that was the attitude. I did talk to somebody yesterday who said, which antivirus do you recommend? I still love using Norton Utilities. And I'm like, do they even make that anymore? <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. So I do know that we've got to find a balance between punishing the people that really need the help. We'll make the investment in the other things that we need 
based on the help they're getting. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I'd be happy if, if we could just get people to have an interest in understanding the problem. Not not understanding to the degree we do, just understanding that it is a dire problem. Yeah. <laughs> dire. Yeah. And they don't have to understand all the complexities around how to address it, but just know that it's there. There are ways to address it. And who do you need to call to get down that that path? Who are you going to call? There's still so many people who don't think any of this is that big of a deal. I talked to a, a doctor, unfortunately, <laughs> earlier this week who had a breach. And when I said something to him about, you know, what could come of that, and this happened like six months ago, he goes, well, I haven't seen any indication that any data is out there, so I'm, I think I'm fine. I'm like, it's been six months. <laughs> There's this really narrow understanding. And um, again, it's it's all about education. Right. Yeah, but you have to want to be educated. And I think that's where the problem is, is that so many people think they've got it. Like, we're good. And I think the longer that they're in healthcare and longer they're in business, I think it's harder to educate them because they do remember you know, how things were back 10, 15, 20 years ago. And and they just don't realize that it's changed so much. Yeah. And well, I mean, but we've got technology people that think they got it. So <laughs> That's a valid uh, point. Valid point. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so, uh, uh, well, let's go on to some of these other stories on, is it that bad? Okay. Because another one in my backyard, <laughs> we just never have to, Go far, do we? No. But it in this, there was a lot of um, scuttlebutt, as they say, that went on about this a couple of years ago. And I kept waiting to hear more about it. And, you know, when we do our assessments, we start asking about phone systems and printers. And everybody's like, why are you asking about that? Because they're involved. They're on your network. They do this. They, you know, they they are involved in patient care. Right. So we have to have a plan to not have them and to protect them. Well, what had happened was this is uh, this just came out this week, announced by the Department of Justice uh, that the. COO of a network security company is charged with a cyber attack on Gwinnett Medical Center. Now, Gwinnett Medical Center is now part of the Northside Hospital Health System. But at the time, a couple of years ago, they were still an independent entity with a pretty large. And guess where I live? <laughs> Gwinnett County, Georgia. <laughs> Probably throw a rock and hit the place. Well, not quite, but that is, I've spent many days there, not for me, but doing things for family and stuff. Yeah. Well, the th the thing that caught my attention was, wait a minute, a network security company is yeah. violating network security? <laughs> what in the yeah. world? So, and like I said, we, we kind of heard this was going on and it's not your standard normal, it's not ransomware, it's not you know, stealing the data from servers. It's a whole different ballgame. And that's why I wanted to bring it up is as much as we're looking, you got to look broader than you've ever thought before. Mm -hmm. And so the details are limited because, 
you know, there's like a grand jury involved. There, there's all kinds of stuff. But the bottom line is they're holding um, this guy, and, and they never say the name of the company, but you can Google things and start to guess, but he's been basically erased. Uh, <laughs> as far as what company, the company that, that it seems to be. So the COO of this security company compromised their operations in part for his own personal gain, which is what we usually run into. Uh, <laughs> on the hospital, not only could have had disastrous consequences, but patients' personal information was also compromised, which is the special agent in charge uh, by the FBI in charge of this case. So what they, the, and I, again, I really want the details. And at some point I know we'll get them, but I'm trying to behave. So it's a Metro Atlanta network security company that served the healthcare industry. Mm. He conducted a cyber attack, disrupting phone service, disrupting network printer service, and obtaining information from a digitizing device. And apparently he was out there to sell that information from the digitizing device, and maybe the other stuff was just to kind of create the smoke screen. I don't know. But 17 counts, 17 counts of intentional damage to a protected computer and one count of obtaining information from a protected computer. So, of course, they have to say they're presumed innocent, but we bring in these charges, and they went so far as to show, you know, the actual paperwork from the grand jury. It's an indictment. And so, you know, I'm starting to look to find some of the more details because, again, this is something that we've always kind of heard about. So I'm looking to see if it's making bigger news. And it was on databreaches.net, which was cool, because if they're covering it, they'll stay on top of it. And so the they're covering the fact, and they show the grand jury indictment and all of those kind of things. So here we've got the COO of a network security company. It looks like they were one that did phones and printers and, and, and scanners and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I wonder Not if it's one of those, call us when things go bad. <laughs> business yeah. is slow can you stir up a hornet's nest somewhere <laughs> yeah so i'm not i'm not gonna make a lot of i mean yeah we don't know guessing. we have we have no we idea no, no it, idea it just it blows my mind and this and again this is not like some teenager 20 something this is a 45 year old dude it's a coo of a company yeah <laughs> and like what are you doing mm -hmm. yes and and you know, there was a lot that was going on. I mean, again, still don't know the details. There were some tweets about problems that you couldn't call them. And if I can't get to digitizing systems and I can't get to scanners to, you know, send stuff. And so it did impact a lot of things. And clearly, if they pulled information off of this system, there was a breach of patient information. So... It remains to be seen, but know that here we are. There's a reason that we ask you about how you're securing things beyond just your computers. Mm -hmm. Do we know whether or not this company was a vendor of the victim? Yes, it is my understanding that they were 
a vendor. Mm. And that that's how the access was obtained. And, Interesting. Yeah. So, again, though, my big point there is you can't assume it's always external from people that you know. Mm. Because in almost all these cases where there is a ransomware attack or any of these other problems, it involves a person. Somebody makes a mistake or on purpose does something. Which leads me to the other story that I noticed at databreaches.net when I was looking at their their story on the Gwinnett Medical Center deal. And in this one, a guy has actually been sentenced, Levi Delgado. Again, 36 years of age. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Not, not your young whippersnappers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pled guilty to one count of causing damage to a protected computer. And I'm like, mm -mm, what is this? Delgado was the information technology administrator at a medical center. And they terminated his employment. And following termination, he was no longer authorized to access the computers. His credentials that had allowed him to access it were disabled. However, you know, when people know things, you have to go and change more things. Mm -hmm. If you have an administrator gone, somebody needs to be there when the administrator leaves and start changing everything they can find. Yeah, well, because the other part, the other part of that too is making sure you keep control or at least keep some logs of what your administrative access should look like. So, yeah. for example, this guy or anybody really that has administrative access could go in and create other administrator accounts that you don't even know about. Yeah. So you need to know who has an administrator account because four days after his termination, he connected his personal laptop to the computer network through an administrator account that uh, he used without authorization. It was not assigned to him, but it was the same thing. He probably used somebody else's password. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it was an administrator account. It was probably one of those extra admin accounts, and he tried uh -huh. several until he found one that wasn't changed. Yeah. And here's the thing. He caused the deletion of the medical center's employee user accounts, disabling of computer net accounts, and the deletion of the file server. Ooh. His, let's see. His actions prevented the medical center's employees from logging into their computers accessing patient files necessary to conduct operations and their ability to see and treat patients was impaired. Patient safety, patient mm -hmm. care. Now they do say no patient information was compromised or accessed, meaning there was not an improper disclosure. He was attacking the system as a whole. Right. However, confidentiality wasn't impacted. Availability was. And potentially integrity, because if he was deleting things, do, do we know everything? Do we were we able to put it back? Yeah. So he he uh, uh, he. It's a it's a access abuse, privilege abuse, mm -hmm. and that is a huge problem. So even if it's not your vendor, and you let somebody go internally, gotta worry about that too. And remember, during COVID, we heard about some people that were, where was it? 
they had furloughed people and somebody reported that they had been offered $20,000 for their access information, mm-hmm. you know, to let them in. So, you know, <laughs> keep that in mind because it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want it to get lost that, yeah, there's all this going on outside, but don't turn your back. Don't turn your back. Yeah. Well, this, you know, talks clearly to making sure you have a process that you're following when you terminate somebody, especially in the IT side of things. Even if it's a, if it's internal IT, have a process. If it's outsourced IT, most definitely have a process. Yeah. Uh, I mean, almost every time, not, not every time, but almost every time I come into a new client, I find leftover remote access from previous vendors. Yep. And guess what? Everybody at the company knew that password. Mm-hmm. And that's and sometimes it's sometimes it's IT vendors, sometimes it's vendors that say, hey, give me remote access so I can look at this software issue and you just leave it there. It's employees who decided they needed remote access, so they put it on there and they're no longer there. Oh, I love uh, it's, those. Oh, it's a it's a mess. It is it is a mess. So you know, tracking all of those software assets, hardware assets, credentialing assets. I mean, it's a lot of work, but man, it's not near as much work as having to respond to something like this. <laughs> well, yeah, and more than once, I know of cases where people were hit and it was directly related to, oh, I went on vacation and I had them set up remote access to my computer just for that time. I haven't used it since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's still there. It needs to go. If you made sure that it was set up before you left, you should make sure it's turned off mm-hmm. when you get back. So, and that had nothing to do with people. I mean, it's not for me to remember that I gave you access, as the IT person said. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say the IT person should say, How long do you want this available? Should we schedule time now mm-hmm. to turn it off? So, then how bad is it? Uh, it's not getting any better. <laughs> no. And it's particularly bad in healthcare. There are several articles that, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to get people to understand it is not the kid in the dark basement with the hoodie hacking away. That what you see is not what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is sophisticated stuff. And, they're outright criminals. Yep. And they don't know you. They don't care. They're from the other side of the world. It is what it is. You know, they're coming from Romania and Ukraine and, you know, all these places. So the Wall Street Journal has a really good article. The ruthless hackers behind ransomware attacks on U.S. hospitals. And they quote, they do not care. And this Eastern European group that is Ryuk, they've hit at least 235 facilities. And as I understand it, that's all healthcare. And they, we know they've hit more than that. They brought in $100 million. Mm. Don't tell me that that's somebody still sitting in the basement. Who says crime doesn't pay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
it actually pays pretty well. <laughs> uh, but yeah. trying, you know, trying to get people to understand the big picture of this, mm-hmm. they pointed out that you know, we, well, we already talked about scripts. We've been talking about that. Haven't yeah. checked on them this week. Been a little too busy. Well, when you look at the the meat company that just paid ransomware eleven million dollars, it doesn't take yeah. long to add up to a hundred million. No, I, I mean, you you only have to have a few good successful hits, and you're good. I know. <laughs> You know, and all that does is make all the others say, well, if they can do it. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, you know, here's, but here's the thing. We brought this up before. Worth repeating. You may have all the backup systems in place, and you may have the ability to 100% recover technologically from a ransomware attack, but you still have to deal with the fact that they stole the data. Yeah. And there are people that are paying the ransom just to say, don't release this data, please. <laughs> uh, and if you don't pay, guess what? They're calling your patients. Hey, how much is it? How much is it worth for you, Donna, to not have your personal information to go on the web because your provider is not going to pay us? So you'll have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are plenty of things they're doing with that data once they take it. Oh yeah, it's a mess. You know, but this one thing where they pointed out in New York, and if you know, people think New York, and they think New York City, but once you're outside New York City. And you're out on that whole western swath of the rest of the state. Yeah, it's kind of country. It, it's interesting, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, my brother lives out there in Baldwinsville, and we go from there to Buffalo and Niagara Falls and stuff. There's a, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a lot of wine trails there, just in case anybody's wondering. The Finger Lakes, it's really fun and good. Uh, and cheese. Don't skip the cheese. <laughs> But in New York, one county's only trauma center, the only trauma center in the county, and those counties are not T9C like so many of ours here in Georgia, was briefly closed to ambulances. It's the only trauma center, and they could not take ambulances because of a cyber attack. They they were trying to switch everything over. The nearest location to take a trauma victim was 90 miles away. Wow. So we've got multiple problems. Everybody mm-hmm. was fine as we were closing down all these rural hospitals, like, because they're not making money. Well, guess what? They're also not doing patient care. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this article because it does track it back to the Eastern European cyber criminals, once called the Business Club. <laughs> At least it wasn't the Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> But that shows you their intent was they were building a business. And, of course, it has ties to the Russian government and other Eastern European, you know, this this is where this is coming from. And they've been left to build their own little businesses, but we're talking huge businesses. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you, you, you got to love, I mean, you know the criminals probably read the Wall Street Journal, but... <laughs> You have to love the last paragraph that says hospitals are especially lucrative targets because <laughs> many have lax cybersecurity controls. <laughs> it's uh, like if you weren't thinking about it before, maybe you should. <laughs> I know. But see, it's all tying back together to the letter, you know, the original letter. I mean, a lot of this. And if if you uh, if you're up for it, there's uh, uh, let me get to this article on NPR. Fresh Air, it's been around forever. And Terry Gross does an interview 
with an investigative reporter who actually got to see the dark side criminal gang communications. Like they were in seeing what was going on in those discussions and let's don't go into all those details. Probably don't want to know, but he explains in this interview how it works. And and so this little exchange here where, you know, he's saying, you know, here's how the ransomware and what happens and you're pressed to work quickly and fix it because that, that's the whole intent is to get the victims worked up. And uh, so she says, now the ransom is paid and cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. Most people don't know how to use Bitcoin. So Darkseid actually has like a help desk to help <laughs> the victims. And he goes, yeah. It's a user-friendly experience. It's just like anything else. You know, when your internet goes out, you contact internet service provider and there's a chat. It's the same kind of thing. So for you to think that that is something that is not its own business and you can get support <laughs> via the chat bot, I need you to rethink that. Mm. But... You know, and then the it goes on to talk about what we talked about before with the, you know, it's set up like a business with affiliates. And then they go in to explain that the affiliates and how you sign up and, and you know, the, the, the nice chunk of change, Darkside, it's a 25% cut. I wonder if, if you call them or if you go on their chat thing, if it says, your call is important to us. Your wait time is 15 minutes. I bet you they don't. I bet you the cr the criminals have better customer service than we do. Is not criminals. <laughs> yeah, you know they're more interested in getting the money from you. Uh, you know that so, would be that would be sad that they have better customer service. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, but they got a lot of money behind it. <laughs> that they do. So, but the the interview is interesting because he takes you through the stuff of. Uh, you know, the, the, that they were able to see when they're watching these conversations take place. And it, basically, they, the, you know, we can't go in undercover. There are reporters that have done that. And he goes into that whole discussion about pretending to be, he didn't do it, but he knows people think that that's a thing to do. But the chat, it, it's like talking to customer service. It's not, you know, you can just ask them stuff and they save the communications and they're able to track all of this. It's a really good story. You can listen to it. You can read it, whichever one uh, it's uh, we'll have a link to it. But yeah, I mean, they, these people just don't care, which is what it goes back to. And I, I'm not going to go into some of these things because the Russian speaking should tell you something. They do not invest a lot in having better English speaking support. But again, <laughs> compared to the sport we're used to getting, we won't go into that. <laughs> but it is a very interesting discussion to help educate you on these things or businesses. They are not these fly-by-night kind of things. They are not what you think it is. And to make that even more interesting, TrickBot, which we've mentioned before, Mm-hmm. One of the key hackers in the TrickBot gang was someone known as Max. 
Again, not a whippersnapper. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. So Max, you know, started posting that they had an applied to mathematics and wanted to do programming uh, about uh, six years ago. And right up until October 2018, Wit, W-I-T-T-E, a Latvian citizen who grew up in Russia, transformed from an amateur developer to a key cog in a cybercrime incident known as TrickBot. Okay, here's the thing. They arrested Max sneaking into Miami for vacation. <laughs> it's a 55-year-old woman. Wow. So, I mean, like, you know, me. <laughs> I'm a little older than that, but not much. Uh, so uh, they've arrested this person, and they're hoping that they can get her to, you know, flip, if you will, on the role. I mean, this is a huge gang. They sell trick bot to the dark side people. You know what I mean? I mean, this is this is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it's a ransomware operation, and they know it has roots in Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. So, if it's a 55-year-old woman they arrest going on vacation in Miami with her ransomware gang <laughs> uh, millions, uh, again... Did she have a hoodie on? I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying no. I'm thinking nobody went, oh, that's a hacker. I know, um, that's what uh, I'm know, saying. Is, you know, it's like... Completely the, shatter the whole image of a hacker, right? Yeah, can you imagine what it was like if you were like in Miami and you see this woman getting arrested and you'd be like, that's a hacker. Leave the grandma alone. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, you know, people would be like, I wonder what she's getting arrested for by the FBI. I wonder, you know, what, what does she do? Wow. But... Uh, they say that, uh, I mean, again, a very interesting article that tells you about how she got into everything. I do wonder, though, if it's one of those age discrimination stories. Like, I try to get a job. I couldn't. So this is what I had to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like that because the story goes into, you know, she was a sales manager and a teacher and she just got interested in technology and uh, when they moved to South America in around 2013, she started dabbling in the uh, tech stuff, you know, developing websites. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you know, she gets pulled in to do things. So, you know, yeah. opportunity presents itself. But it, like, here's a quote. Where is it? Let me find it. This is so funny. In 2020, she allegedly stopped being careful and allowed her alleged cybercrime persona to blend in with her social media profile. Mm. In January, the person that's telling the story uh, said, Holden, said she used her personal website to distribute trick bot malware. By that time, her colleagues inside the TrickBot operation were familiar with Max's identity, referring to her, quote, almost like they would address their mother. Yeah. So. Wow. I'm just saying. Uh, Anyhow. And and save the best for last, as if things aren't bad enough. Yeah. (laughs) This is from this morning, so we, we don't know. 
But it's like, we're going to talk about this, and then we see this this morning, so. Yeah. yeah. Not not good. Go ahead, read the headline, David, because that's where both of us went. What? The headline reads, Ransomware gang goes nuclear, hitting a <laughs> U.S. weapons contractor. Yeah. Not, weapons, not feeling... weapons and nuclear in the same headline. Yeah, and ransomware. Uh, yep. No, no, not liking that. <laughs> no, we were both like, what is this? Wait, we have to stop what we're doing. We have to read this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a small company. Go figure. Yep. In New vendors. Mexico. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is a contractor for the Department of Energy National Nuclear Security Administration. No big deal. <laughs> Just a contractor. But they're hit with Revel. 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 Re-evil. Revel. 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 Anyway. Revel. Sadina Kibi. Yeah, Sadina Kibi, which is Russian for you got screwed. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's a consulting firm focusing on managing advanced technologies and concepts with strong potential for military and space applications is what apparently is on their LinkedIn profile. And then this is what the Sodina Kibi gang published. Mm, Soul Orions is the name of the company did not take all necessary action to protect personal data of their employees and software developments for partner companies. They said in their statement that this is their leak site. So they all have their own like news sites. Now this went on there. Mm -hmm. We hereby keep a right to forward all of the relevant documentation and data to military agencies of our choice, including all personal data of employees. Now, we I can like joke how, around about a lot of things, but I having like employee data is not good. No. I do like how it starts, though, with they did not take all the necessary action to protect personal data. And then, you know, therefore, that gives us a reason to do what we did. Yeah. So we have a right to take it. <laughs> yeah, no. You know, you you should protect things. And if you don't, it's on you. Mm-hmm. You should comply with the law. And hopefully, if you're complying with all of that stuff, then we won't come in and take all your stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, if you have to give it a physical viewpoint, it's for me, I, I look at it almost like when you take something and put it in the trash bin that gets rolled out to the road. Mm-hmm. It's like if it's, if it's trash and somebody comes by and takes it, it's not stealing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're treating your data like it's trash... <laughs> And somebody comes by and takes it, then huh, no harm, no foul. You should have protected it. <laughs> yeah, there is that. You know, <laughs> I set all my valuable stuff out on the driveway. Yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. It's well, I don't know about you, but around here, anything that's at the end of somebody's driveway, that's free. Right. It's 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 free ninety nine. You just come by and get it. <laughs> and and it's funny because people do that. They put stuff at the end of the driveway. A couple hours later, it's gone. <laughs> just, just, it goes away. And so it, I just kind of had that feeling as I'm reading this. It's kind of like, well, if you don't, you know, if you're not going to protect it and it's just going to be hanging out there, then we'll take it. <laughs> well, and here's the thing, like when you get further down in here, it does mention that 
they didn't even like make a big announcement that they have this nuclear company. They included it with all the other companies they have right now to announce today. It's like, we just, you know, it's just like anybody else. That yeah. is not a big deal. We have so many, which explains why I'm exhausted. Because there mm-hmm. are so many things where we're getting calls to advise on stuff. And uh, apparently they mentioned another company that's power generation and operations in Venergy. They got a standalone listing, but the nuclear people, no, they didn't. Yeah. Because they took four terabytes of data from them. Wow. Well, the other piece that people often forget is that it may, it may not be the information you have. It may be who you're connected to that they're interested in. Or and even that once they find you, they discover what they can do. They don't even go there looking for that. Mm-hmm. They get there, and then they're like, look at all the things they're connected to. What a haul. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me, I'm a huge target. I'm a managed service provider of a bunch of companies, including healthcare. I'm a big yeah. target. So when even when I add somebody on LinkedIn, I'm like, I don't know if I should be adding them. I know. I'm so <laughs> careful. You know, especially outside of LinkedIn and the, you know, Facebook and all these other places, you know, it, it means that although I'm broadening my network of people, which is something I want to do to grow my business, I'm also broadening my risk factors because any of these people could be a vector to me. Yeah. It's your threat landscape has now grown. I know. So it's, oh. It's nerve-wracking for us. It is nerve-wracking. So if I don't accept your LinkedIn request, <laughs> no why. Send a message and say, I understand why you would not want to accept this. I heard the episode. Yeah, That'll there you clear go. You. Then, I'll, then I'll take it. Yeah, if I don't get a message that says, you know, I'm a listener or something. Yeah, unless you're a 55-year-old woman named Max. No, <laughs> not accepting your friend request. <laughs> Okay, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, that is our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. As always, remember to share this out on your favorite social media site and help rate our podcast and leave us a review. We appreciate it. Remember, for Donna and myself, the HIPAA is not about compliance. It's about patient care and patient safety. You've been listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, hosted by Donna Grendel and David Sims, the show created to help you with HIPAA. For more information or to ask us a question, visit our website at helpmewithhipaa.com. Neither Donna Grendel or David Sims are attorneys, and they do not offer binding legal advice concerning regulatory compliance. The information in this podcast should not be relied upon or construed as legal advice in any way. Consult your attorney for legal advice concerning compliance with HIPAA regulations.